fasciitis, which is like a form of sepsis. It's a flesh-eating bacterial infection and it's really rare. So there's only six people in the world who've ever had it, what I had. Before I introduce my next guest, I thought it'd be great to celebrate my seventh episode. I definitely have another five recorded and I'm still booking guests. And that's to a lot of thanks to my uh, my group of friends who've been helping me get the word out and helping me book the guests. So keep going, guys, because you're super, super helpful and I'm having so much fun doing this. As always, I welcome feedback from people. I'd just love to hear what your thoughts are, good or bad. And um, that, as you always, there's lots of different ways to do it. Uh, you can email me at podcast at digitalseamstress.co.uk or you can find me on Instagram uh, on the handle at wemakeitwork underscore. I've also discovered a new way that you could leave feedback or messages for me uh, recently. And you can actually leave an audio message on um, on Anchor. And I can even include them, if you're willing, on my show. So to do that, you go to https colon forward slash forward slash anchor.fm forward slash we dash make dash it dash work forward slash message. So I hope you got that there because there was a lot of uh, dashes, but unfortunately that was the way the URL was constructed. So, but I'd love to hear your voices uh, and it'll be great to get more than just my voice and the guest's voice on an episode. What have I been up to in the last week? Well, I've actually been guests on two podcasts and uh, the first one was Innovative Leaders, which you can find on any podcast app that you listen to. And the second one was for TSB, Tarif's Speakers Podcast, and I feature on episode seven. And I talk about my experiences with public speaking. Why did I record the podcasts? Well mainly to see what it was like to be on the other side and also Tarif is uh, an expert on training people in public speaking speaking basically and I wanted to hear what his thoughts were on my own speaking and to see if he had any tips for me to stop me from going um and ah during my podcast recordings so if it's something that you are interested in as well um i highly recommend you checking out the podcast and seeing what you think so on to my guest this week she is a philosophy teacher and she works flexibly so that she can cram in lots of other things like spending time with her family but also she's an expert copywriter for white papers she's lovely she's humorous so i hope you enjoy this episode this week hi my name is tuha and i'm the host of we make it work 
In this podcast series, I'm sharing stories of fellow freelancers on how they work flexibly and make it work in hope that we help empower others to get started or keep going in their journey of flexible working. And this week we have Vicky. Hello, Vicky. Hello, Tua. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to talking to you about this today. Oh, I'm very looking forward to this. I, um, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. So, Vicky, why don't you explain to everyone uh, how you work flexibly? Sure. Okay. So, um, I'm a freelance copywriter, and I have been uh, freelance copywriting for just under two years, so relatively recent thing. Um, and as well as doing the freelancing, um, I also teach part-time. So, I've started reducing my teaching hours each year as my um, copywriting client base builds up. So, I've still got the kind of regular salary income. Um, and then, obviously, the, the, the freelancing gives me the flexibility, which the teaching doesn't really. So, at the moment, it feels like I've got the best of both worlds. But I think, ultimately, I'll be looking to reduce my teaching hours a bit more because the business is going really well at the moment. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's all good at the moment. Oh, that's really good to hear. And so how did you get into the whole copywriting? Um, so I'm an A-level lecturer. I teach philosophy and classics, which are kind of minority subjects at college. And because there have been a lot of funding cuts to FE education over the last five years, um, and subjects have been slashed and I've seen colleagues being made redundant. I've gone through restructures, redundancies. Um, it was, it's not, um, I didn't, I don't believe now that it's a job for life, which I did think. It was a bit of a shock when I realised that actually I probably, uh, you know, I could be made redundant. I wasn't made redundant, but I could have been. And I think it was quite a difficult time emotionally. I had a lot of good friends leave. Um, my subjects were at risk of closure because they attract kind of small numbers, really. So I just thought it was time to kind of future-proof myself. Um, I also had three um, young children. so. I wanted to do something that was flexible and I didn't want to work in an environment where there was going to be another risk of redundancy. So I didn't want to work for an employer, um, which meant that really free freelancing was the only option and copywriting was just something that I kind of naturally fell into. Um, because I teach philosophy, I've got good uh, literary skills, writing skills. I can explain things clearly um, to, to students and I create engaging teaching materials so it was just a case of taking those skills really and then applying them to the world of business and it's been yeah it's been really good and now I teach as a kind of because I want to I really want to teach I like being in the classroom and that's why I'm there um, I'm not there because I need the money or I need the job really so I've got this kind of sense of freedom and um, which is really liberating and, and exciting Oh, brilliant. So what kind of challenges have you faced in the in the past couple of oh, years? Oh, gosh, it's just juggling. We're learning how to do it, basically. So I was lucky in that I've got a friend who works in communications. So she got me to help her out on a communications project that she was working on. And that led to some agency work. And through the work with the agency, I learned a huge amount about marketing, about branding, about drafting, about copywriting, kind of all the stuff that... Um, I didn't know really and um so yeah so learning it I mean it's, it was a bit of a leap of faith really um and it's been a big learning curve and then obviously moving from the public sector into the private sector is totally different you know I, I get 
I get paid to go to meetings and things. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I can invoice and I get paid straight away. And, and you know, that's even learning how to invoice um, is something that I didn't know anything about. You know, so it's all the basic stuff that people in the in business know. I have a clue so that's been quite tough um but it's also been really good it's been good fun I've really enjoyed it oh. and then what advice could you give to other people who are thinking of um, going into I think there's a lot of work out there so there's a lot of competition out there but um I think if you're good and I think if you know what your niche is and I think if you've got a strong portfolio, I don't think you'll have problem finding work. Um, but And it's good. I mean, I really like it. I really enjoy writing. You have to obviously be good at writing. You have to enjoy writing and you have to have communication skills as well. So you need to go and meet with clients. They need to like you because they're not going to work with you unless they like you, no matter how you write. Um, people do business with people that they like. So it's important that you are, you've got kind of those soft skills as well. Those kind of core communication skills are not just written skills, they're also skills as well. Um, and obviously as a teacher, I kind of I've kind of learned those. Um okay. so yeah, so if you if you want to go into copywriting then it helps I think if you if you've got all of the communication skills. Um but freelancing is amazing. I, I think everyone should, I think everyone is moving towards that as a as a business model. Um it seems more and more people are moving into freelancing and kind of remote working and you know becoming digital nomads and it's it's great. It's the future of of work, isn't it? You know, it makes sense to outsource for businesses it makes sense for them to outsource and keep their overheads down um so yeah it's it's a kind of a win-win situation really yeah it's definitely a different solution as it were um if you are running I don't know, some kind of budget where you absolutely need to work out how you use it for resource so in terms of, because um, what I found interesting when we met up a few weeks ago was you've had quite a bit of, not quite a bit, but you've had success on LinkedIn to find work, basically. So could you share like what your experience of using LinkedIn to find yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been on LinkedIn for, for, gosh, so a couple of years, probably. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn for a long time, but I've only really been actively using it for a couple of years. And I'm not joking when I say it's taken me probably the best part of a year to understand how it works. So I just went on there as like kind of little old me. I didn't have any LinkedIn training. I wasn't a business person. Um, and I basically just made... I don't know what I did really. I just kind of connected with people and had com random conversations with, with strangers. And that's kind of led to me making some really good friendships, you know, some, some good virtual friendships with people, either copywriters or, or marketing people, not really clients, but people who were other business people, you know, in my kind of area, um, and they were really helpful and they showed me how to use LinkedIn and they referred leads to me and gave me tips. And then as I'm getting better at it, as I'm getting more influence, I've got more followers now, um, people are coming to me for advice. And it's just this, this huge positive community. Um, and it's not corporate. I mean, that's the big surprise for me. Um, 
is that actually it's not dry and and dusty and boring and and everyone talking about business all the time. That is a part of it, you know. So when I go on LinkedIn, part of what I do is sell myself and sell my services. Um, but also, you know, I put a picture up of my kid in an Easter bonnet yesterday. I mean, it's not Facebook. Everyone says, oh, it's not Facebook. And it's not Facebook. But it doesn't mean that you can't have a laugh and you can't connect with people and have relationships with people. Um, so, yeah, so I love LinkedIn. I'm on it time and it works I get lots of leads I get at least one lead a week through LinkedIn um, they don't always work um, work out and lead to to business um, but I've got quite a few uh, one one very large client on a retainer has come from LinkedIn um, without knowing me at all has just come through LinkedIn and seeing seeing stuff that I published on LinkedIn um, oh. So that was that was a big uh, big client for me. Um, so yeah, so it's it's good, but you kind of have to be on it a lot. You have to really, really, you know, delve into it deeply in order to get the maximum amount of benefit out of it. I'm really surprised that you're able to build a connection, but at the same time, not just because I know you as a person, and you're you're just a personable person, as it were. Uh, so I think, well, I think it's easy um, to connect with you, but I, I'm I'm really surprised that you're, you've been able to set up that um, that connection, as it were, with people because it is known for its corporate part of it, and that's something I've learned in the last month that. It shouldn't be treated like that. It should be treated more like a network, um, networking kind of a system, as it were. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's better. It's better than I mean, because I've been to some local networking events as well. And to be honest, they don't really work for me because either the people who go um, are not the decision makers within the business, or it's small businesses who can't you know copywriting is the last thing on their list of things to spend money on so those things although it's lovely to meet people they haven't really resulted in um any work for me um whereas linkedin because you are dealing with the business owners you know you're dealing with the ceos the marketing directors the buyers the business owners um that you you know you're you're connecting and talking and chatting with people who are key who are budget holders um, and you might not be talking about business you know I do I write a series of philosophy um, articles on LinkedIn which I publish um, just because I like writing philosophy and people like well seem to like reading them and um, I've got work through doing that where people have read my philosophy and thought okay that's you know she's got similar interests to me can you write this article for me and you know I'll go and do that for them so um, a lot of a lot of the time you're connecting with people it's not because of your business it's because they like you as a person yeah that's one thing that I've learned from doing that we, we've both done this five-day yeah. challenge that Helen Pritchard have set up and that's one thing where I've had to change my mindset and really think okay like not everybody's going to like content or they might not even like me as a person but there are people who do like me. So there, there are lots of people who like you. In your heads, you only think about the people who don't like you, whereas you need to focus. That's oh, my dog. Like, oh, who wants Charlie, to in our podcast? That's Hello, Charlie, Charlie the dog. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I did the five-day challenge because um, I'm very active on LinkedIn and I've been on LinkedIn for a long time. But... Um, 
I'm, I, I need to push myself a bit more. I'm not very good at marketing myself and um, kind of pushing what I do. I, I feel a bit icky about it and a bit kind of reluctant to do that. Um, and I think it's probably because I've come from, you know, my teaching background is not very, it's more kind of supportive and it kind of facilitates others to get ahead. So it's that kind of mentality that I have. Um, whereas marketing and business is all about pushing yourself and your services because ultimately you've got mortgage debt. So I, I kind of, I think we probably both signed up for the same reason, didn't we? That this this woman was, um, Helen was saying, um, you know, we, we can generate leads within, was it five day challenge, wasn't it? So you're trying to get more leads on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I don't know why, I wasn't expecting to get any leads. I just wanted to know, I just wanted to get a flavour of, okay, what are they trying, how are they trying yeah. to achieve those leads? But I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting leads. Did you get any? From the beginning, beginning though. Oh, no, I haven't really, I wasn't really that active. I think I did the yeah. first four days of the challenge. I didn't do the last day um, just because yeah, I yeah. had fam family things. But, um, yeah, I, d I didn't do all the, I think if I had done the fifth day, I would have got more engagement because, I did look at my stats yeah. and they had gone up and posts I put up. Um, so my, my stats went up massively. But, so when um, I started yeah. putting into right. tips, um, my stats went like my profile views went massive, like 200% increase. And my profile views have always been around about three, 300 or so. So they're not like really low, but they went up to like 600, 500, which was really good. Um, and I did get a couple of leads. They didn't turn into work. Um, for various reasons, but I did get a couple of leads. So I do think her method works, that's for sure. But for me... But also, they're not leads for now. Oh, but yeah, absolutely. Be absolutely. And I don't think it's a bad thing to encourage people to be more active on LinkedIn because it's better for everyone. The more people who are active on LinkedIn, the more connections you can make, the more business opportunities you're open to. So um, I do agree with that kind of pushing quite hard. Um, but I think it was just a little bit too aggressive for me. Um, I just think, you know, you, she suggested making, uh, you know, well, first she said 100 connections a day. So so putting yourself at 100 connections a day, no personalised requests, and connects with you and wants to have a chat or get to know you. She says to ignore them unless they're going to give you money. And I just, that really, um, it just doesn't sit right with me. That's not how I deal with people. Mm -hmm. I always send out personalised requests yeah. um, and if someone has a chat back, then I have a chat with them and, you know, that's, for me, that's developed into some really nice working relationships Some some clients have come through that um, that way and I've also met some really good friends who I'm never going to get work from ever because they're either not in my industry or, you know, we just pulls apart or whatever, but they've become good friends. So ultimately I might get a referral from them or whatever, but it's, for me, it's about social networking things. So, um, yeah. So yeah. So I disagreed with some of her methods, but you can't deny that they they work. You know, I'm not. They they definitely worked. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and then Helen did say before the challenge started that people are going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel very counterintuitive. Um, it, it is going to make it people question her methods, but. Um, she really like droned on about right you have to trust in the method you just gotta get on and do it and I I completely agree 
with her in terms of you just have to do it and when you look at the types of people who are asking questions on the Facebook groups because I wasn't really asking any questions or anything like that or or I didn't take part in the hot seat sessions or anything um, but when you look at what people are asking and things like that you could tell that they were yeah. starting from zero they have like very few connections and so by applying her yeah, method it was. it was a very quick way of accelerating yeah, the number absolutely. of connections you were getting and in that respect yeah very good idea for people who have no yeah. clue yeah i'd agree with that to get on and do it whereas both me and you are we're aware of marketing we're aware of digital marketing but for some reason we're, we haven't been doing it just because you never busy. do do you just like the, the, the last person I'll i market be... for is myself like I, I market for my clients all the time yeah um, and yet i never ever do any of my own marketing so that's something that's definitely i need to do more of for sure and helen's definitely made that abundantly clear um which is good yes. but yeah i do but, think yeah. the people who were yeah. were on there hadn't had a lot of them didn't have any clue at all. A lot of them didn't even know what a profile was um, or how to connect with someone and stuff like that, which is kind of very, very basic, which is fine. You know, it's, you know, th I think those sorts of people will get a lot out of it. Um, and they're the sorts of people who will go on and do her uh, yeah. paid course, um, her the mastermind course. Yeah, yeah which she's been pushing. Yeah. She's really been pushing it, um, which has also put me off, off a lot. Yeah, though. which I'm not surprised. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, oh, I'm, not I'm not surprised, but I just though, because she it, Yeah, absolutely, but I don't like there. the hard sell and you know, I, I've been getting three or four emails a day through Facebook bots telling me that you know, I'm going to miss out if I don't sign up to this mastermind thing and it's like, okay, that's you've kind of lost me now with the with the hard sell. But um but then I don't I don't think oh. that course was was designed for me really. It was it was a good it was a good little uh, kick up yeah, the bum. Exactly, yeah. But it wasn't a, you know, um, it wasn't like a light bulb, a series of light bulb moments or anything, which I know it was for a lot of people. So, so I think um, I, th I think it was. I think it's a very good course for certain people, and I think if you get a chance to do yeah. the challenge, I think it's, it's free. worth people doing. It's, the it's free, Just and Helen gives a lot of herself, and she talks free, a lot of yeah. sense actually, and she's very likable. I mean, I did yeah. really like her. Yeah. Uh, she's very funny, very charismatic. Um, yeah, I did like her. Um, her methods weren't for me, but I, they do work. You know, there's no doubt in that they that they would work. So yeah, absolutely, sign up to do the five days, and then if you want to do the mastermind, um, you know, see how you feel about that. But yeah, she's she's good, she's good, but just not her methods really weren't for me. Yeah. Oh well, I I quite liked her because she was straight talking and you knew where you stood with her. But and so it did upset me because even though I'm not doing the mastermind, it did upset me though that. Because I read that people were saying horrible things about her in other groups. What were they? Were they? I think it's unnecessary. Like, if you don't like it, you just ignore. Well, I never saw it, but there were threads where um, people were saying, I, I think people were like leaving um, well, reviews. I think she, like she that, said a few times, didn't she, that um, no one more successful than her has ever criticized her. And I think actually people will always won't they they'll always find fault with things because a lot of it is envy or jealousy or whatever so I mean I don't I didn't like her methods oh, they yeah. weren't for me but yeah. I don't 
I think that she's very, very good at doing what she does. And she's, you know, fair play to her for building up her uh, her business yeah. into what it is. Um, you know, she's done incredibly well. Um, and I don't think there's any need to be disparaging about it or nasty about it. Uh, but, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you, is it? Yeah, you have to just take it or leave it. Mm, absolutely. It's one thing I did take out of it, though, was what I really liked was the there was one challenge or a bonus challenge where you had to like give a recommendation or a review or feedback to 10 people. And at first I thought, Oh, blimey. Yeah, it's nice. This is something, but then I started doing it and I really enjoyed writing it. And then, and then LinkedIn then give you the option of the other person to edit it. So I would say, Oh yeah, let me know if you want me to like add anything or change anything. And everybody's like, no, it's good. Like I, it was perfect it is nice. and like they'll just put it straight off yeah, of their profile and I thought actually that's a really good way of getting yourself seen as well because you're leaving feedback for other people absolutely yeah and I think Helen was saying it creates a good feeling about you so when they see your name they'll think oh yeah you get a little warm uh, a warm feeling when they think of you and yeah. I think that is an excellent way of marketing isn't it yeah because you want people to think fondly of you when they when they hear your name um and so giving out recommendations which is very easy simple thing to do oh, loved, um, has really a massive impact it. yeah, mm, yeah it, was I really good. it was actually really easy to do and um and I, I just thought, oh, my God, that was such a simple thing. I, yeah. I don't know why I never thought of doing it before. And I'm going to keep doing that now. Yeah, and I, I am. I love, I love the feedback you gave me because we've only known each other, like, not even a year. We've only, like, spoken to each other as mushrooms at times. But you summed me up, like, exactly how I want to portray myself. And I was just like, oh, my oh. God, how has this girl got me spot on? It's brilliant. Well, I think it's because there's no side to you, you can't, you're very easy to understand. And, you know, it's, it's easy to know who you are and where you're going. So, yeah, it's oh, good. Brilliant. It's and nice. I like writing that, it for you. Oh, thank you. And then it, it's good. That means I need to not yeah, make... still waiting effort. for mine. <laughs> oh, sorry, Vicky. I'm all for <laughs> Yours is coming. It's all it's now recorded and the promises on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awful, aren't I? No, not at all. No, but seriously, it will come. All right then, cool. And then um I guess the only the last thing um to talk about is like it's not amusing, but it's amusing at the same time. But your boobs are, your boobs my are My boobs, my famous, my centrefold boobs, yes. Um, <laughs> it's like international, I it's am, gone well I am. My, So I've got, uh, I teach, I uh, copyright, and I'm also um, a tabloid centrefold model. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I've been in the mail, I've been in the mirror, I've been in the sun, I've been in the New York Times, I've been in uh, World News, um, I news. I've been. I've been everywhere because um, I nearly died about three years ago. I got a really serious infection um, in one of my breasts, and I ended up having um, a mastectomy. Um, that was three years ago. So when my I've got three kids. And my twins at the time when I got ill were seven months old, so I was breastfeeding them. I got mastitis, which developed into necrotic 
fasciitis, which is like a form of sepsis. It's a flesh-eating bacterial infection and it's really rare. So there's only six people in the world who've ever had it, what I had. Um, so Repeat what it's called again. It's necrotizing fasciitis. Um, but I, oh ac- goodness, I know it's a bit Latin, isn't it? But I had necrotizing mastitis, which is even rarer. Um, so they chopped my boobies off and I had to stop breastfeeding oh. and I was in intensive care and yeah, I nearly died. So from that, that's not nice. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty horrific. I'm still having. To, I've got another operation in two months uh, to do another reconstruction. So I've had lots and lots of reconstructive surgery. Um, um, yeah, so it's been a bit traumatic, but in some ways it's been good because I started writing a blog um, called Jelly Nightmares. When I first started copywriting about two years ago, I knew I needed to write a blog because I needed a portfolio. I had nothing. So I thought, right, I'm going to write a blog. I don't know much about marketing. Uh, I don't want to write writing because I don't know much about that either. Um, what shall I write about? I know I'll write about what happened when I nearly died because it's kind of human interest. Um, it will uh, help my friends and family understand what happened because a lot of them didn't realize what had happened because it was all happened so quickly. Um, many of my friends didn't know and also it happened when I was on maternity leave as well so when I went back to work it was kind of all over and no one really realized that in the summer I'd nearly died so the blog was kind of a way to bit to to get something in my portfolio to show that I could write so I started writing this blog Um, and it's really taken off so um, my story's been in the mail like I said the mail the mirror the news the world that the blog's been shared um, in quite a few different publications um yeah, it's had a massive reaction, massive reception. So uh, it's a nice portfolio piece for me. But more, more importantly, it's um, it's really raised awareness of uh, breast reconstruction surgery. I've had lots of women with breast cancer or who've had breast cancer getting in touch with me. Um, I've had people with necrotizing fasciitis get in touch with me. Um, I've had lots of um yeah just a, a really big reaction a really big positive reaction because it's written in quite a funny way it's fun it's supposed to be funny that's because that's, that's how I roll yeah so it's not it's not really very doom and gloom it's more about my dishy consultant and you know winding up the NHS staff and you know being being a celebrity patient and not being looked after properly enough um <laughs> as you know, as I should be as a celebrity patient so yeah it's quite funny it's quite funny and it's quite um tongue-in-cheek and there's a little bit of black humor in there but yeah. it seems people like it people really seem to like it so it's obviously um it's it's obviously doing well so that's good yeah and then so I'm so thankful that yeah, it me turned too. out all okay and <laughs> you're still going through it and even though you're you know <laughs> even you out of all the people um but it's just it's nice to see like that traumatic period hasn't affected who you are you're still very much driven I think it's focused. it's made me more fearless so the when I was going through restructure at work that happened before I got ill um and I had this big fear about oh my god what am I going to do if I'm going to get made redundant what am I going to do I'm going to have to get an admin job I'm going to have to you know I'm I'm thinking lecture in philosophy and I was looking at doing admin jobs and stuff not there's anything wrong with admin jobs but um I I was my, my confidence was completely shot after going through all this redundancy um and uh, and I just didn't have the courage really of, uh, to try and do anything else. I, I became quite, um, I felt quite helpless, I think. And then when this happened, when I actually nearly died, 
I kind of thought, well, fuck it. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? Um, and it was then that I decided to to kind of move, you know, move away from teaching slightly and do my business and stuff. And also because I had so many operations, I've had about 10 operations um, and each operation I've had to go on to bed rest for at least two weeks four weeks for each one because they're quite serious operations um so in those periods I couldn't really do anything apart from have my laptop open so I kind of read books and and wrote I just wrote and wrote and wrote I did my website um got my portfolio together started writing for lots and lots of different magazines all for free didn't get paid for any of it um but that built my portfolio up and then I could start looking for clients. Um, and I, you know, I got some nice testimonials from the magazines and stuff. So, so in a way, actually it's all worked out really well. If I hadn't have, have been through that, um, you know, that, that illness and that severe, um, critical time, um, I'm not sure if I would, I don't know, maybe, I think maybe I still would have done, but I think I would have been more cautious about it. That's what really happened was like I just decided I was going to do it and then I did it. Okay. You know, I decided I was going to do it and then a week later I had my website website done and I was calling myself a copywriter. There was no kind of um, procrastination yeah. about it. So it was good. Yeah. Everyone everyone I've spoken to who have changed directions, like pivot to a more freelance-style career, have all had to take risks, but they generally are people who are not risk-adverse. They're, there's some things that they're afraid of, but they yeah. don't let it get the yeah. better of themselves, as it were. So I think, yeah, I think you've got, I think that's the important thing to take away is. You can't, you, know, you really you can't. can't. And I think, stop you. I think the older I get as well, the more I realise that actually, you know, life is so short, isn't it? It really is short. And I watched the kids growing up. My kids are five and then mm. my twins are three. Um, and, you know, the, the, the years go in a heartbeat. And I just think if you're not going to do it, when when are you going to do it? You know, there's never a good time. There is never a good time to, um, you know, set up a business. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard work. Um, but, yeah. you know, it, it pays off. It, you know, like I said, I've been doing it two years now. I've got regular income from it. Um, I've got some really, really good clients, um, long-term clients that I work with, Um and I've got, you know, I've got the confidence to know that if I did want to leave teaching, then I can support myself and pay the mortgage just by writing, which is just amazing, really, to get to that point in two years. Um, so, yeah, it's taken a lot of work, a lot of determination, lots of time yeah. not having the children and having to palm the kids off at my mum's or with friends or, you know, staying up till midnight, two in the morning, writing and then going to teach the next morning. You know, it's not been it's not been easy. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously having all the operations and stuff going on yeah. at the same time, it's not, it's not been an easy couple of years. Um, but by the time all the kids are at school, so in two years time, I will have a viable business. I definitely have a viable business and teaching will just become something hopefully I can just do hours a week to keep my hand in and because I like it, you know, I like teaching philosophy. Um, whereas my main income, I think, will be the business and it's kind of getting there at the moment, but it's going to take a couple of years, I think. Yeah, the, I'm so glad that things are working out Aww. well, and I wish you thank very you. A well, lot thank of you luck for your loss uh, reconstruction. And hopefully, this podcast will be out by the time you're in hospital and you're recovering. You can listen to it. 
<laughs> yeah, I can listen to it. Well, thank you very much for inviting us on. It's been lovely to chat with you. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you at the Freelancers Day in June, aren't we? We're both going to that. Oh, so- yes, we're going to the... Yeah, we're going to National Freelancers Day. So this might be out before Yeah, then. which was excellent, it was excellent, wasn't it? Like, it was excellent so we'll, last year. So yeah. so we can maybe, yes, yeah, so I'll you catch then. you then. And maybe if anyone who's listening to us and wants to meet us in person, they can do. Um, and I'll put um, my email address and everything on the show notes. So can yeah, do that. great. But if anyone wants to reach you, where's the best place? Um, LinkedIn, so Victoria Doxat on LinkedIn, or you can uh, find me on my website, so www.victoriadoxat.com. And my blog is Jelly Nightmares, www.jellynightmares.com. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, you should be able to find me. If you Google my name, I should come up. Oh, brilliant. I'd love to be able to see that. Google my own name. For them. <laughs> people can find me so easily. Actually, I think with my usual <laughs> name, people can't find me. But, yeah. I think, yeah, I think because my surname is quite unusual. So I'm just like, yeah, it's good. It's all good. You can find me if you need me. Thank you so much again. (laughs) Cool. Lovely. Thanks, Tua. And uh, I'll see See you soon. Bye. See you later. Bye. As always, I've put links in in the podcast description to connect to Victoria and also in the show notes. If you uh, have enjoyed this episode, which I hope you have, please review, subscribe and share. And until next time, bye.